Well, the bad news is the Mike Parsons pro Mark Mike Parsons project is not long for the world. The good news is it's because I'm getting my uh, own show on WJR. Yeah, very exciting a uh, day of announcements yesterday. Paul, we did it. Uh, Paul is 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 my P one uh, from day one, and as far as I know, the only person who listens to this podcast uh, regularly. But uh, some news that we were made uh, uh, privy to uh, a couple weeks ago that uh, we have not been able to say a word about, uh, which is hard because it's very exciting news. Uh, a lot of shuffling going around um, on the great voice of the Great Lakes. We are reshuffling our entire lineup. Uh, Paul W. Smith moves from mornings to noon to two, reviving the legendary focus program that was uh, pioneered by the late, great J.P. McCarthy. Um, Chris Renwick is taking over the two to four spot. Um, Yeah, that's yeah. Chris Renwick, two to four. Mitch Album is uh, shifting an hour early from four to six, uh, reviving uh, another legendary WJR brand sports rap. From six to seven with uh, Sean Belegian, uh, who was uh, ha- has been one of my favorite radio personalities before I even met him, and he's a fantastic guy. Uh, Tom Jordan, Kevin Dietz are staying the same, and uh, Guy Gordon is is moving to mornings, and I'm moving with him. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm not a morning person, so it's going to be an adjustment. Uh, but to sweeten the deal, they said, "Hey, Mike." You know, uh, the the, uh, the the folks from uh, Startup Nation who are doing the five to six o'clock show, um, you know, they're 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 kind of looking to back out of that so that they can focus on their uh, wildly successful and growing business. If you uh, get up early with Guy, we're gonna let you have that five to six time slot, uh, which which blew me away um, because I've just recently started. Uh, filling in by myself on WJR, and I thought to myself, like Chris Renwick, it's great. It's great for a guy like me to see Chris Renwick get his own show, because Chris Renwick has been filling in for five years, and so you know, if Chris Renwick's not getting a show, then then what am I working towards? And uh, I'm I'm very I'm very lucky that uh, all the planets have aligned, and uh, I got my my own time slot. Albeit an hour, but I'm going to take that hour and run with it. Uh, on WJR, I feel like I've skipped several steps in my career, uh, which candidly I was feeling a little bit behind on. And uh, now I have this wonderful opportunity. So um, it's going to be it's it's going to be uh, heavily formatted at first. Um, right now, the format of the show is I get a, uh, a like a seven minute talk break at the beginning a seven-minute talk break at the end. And in the middle, uh, two segments, I'm to play highlights from from interviews from the day before. So it's kind of a mix of what I'm doing here in Podsui. And and eventually, um, you know, they said that they'll they'll open it up to three segments. But for the time being, since they won't have the time uh, initially to kind of help develop this new show because we have so many other things going on. Uh, for the time being, it'll be uh, heavily formatted, but I'm going to take those 14 minutes a day and I'm going to do the absolute most with them. And, uh, you, you know, the the uh, the outpouring of well wishes and support ha- has been overwhelming. Um, 
people I haven't heard heard uh, from for for years, uh, people who I wasn't even sure if they remembered who I was, coming out to congratulate me. But it's kind of a weird feeling though, because a lot of people um, who are congratulating me, I, I, I'm saying to myself, okay, once I really start letting it rip and giving my opinion. A lot of these people are going to get mad at me because a lot of them are going to disagree with a lot of things I say. But, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully people listen with an open mind. I try to be honest. I try to be direct. I try not to be in- inflammatory or overly sensational. But I also like to make people think, and, and I also try to uh, present my opinions in a rational, compelling well-informed way. I'm always going to tell you why I think what I think. So very excited. June 20th, I'm uh, making plans in my head for for what I want to do with my afternoons and and really make the most of this schedule. But my guess is for at least the first few weeks, maybe a few months, I'm probably just going to come home and and crash. Once upon a time, I worked um, a split shift, actually. I used to... uh, my first full-time job in radio was working at, it was Metro Traffic at the time, now it's Total Traffic, and they provide, um, they provide uh, traffic reports, news reports for a bunch of radio stations that, that you know, don't have the resources to, to hire their own staff. So um, I remember I was gathering Cincinnati traffic information from Southfield, Michigan, and I worked the split shift 5 a.m. to 9 and 3 to 7. So at least this isn't my toughest schedule. And actually, you know, after a few years, I did that from 09 to 2012, I was really kind of starting to get used to the the hours. And then about two weeks later, about two weeks after I got uh, used to that schedule, um, I got full-time at WJR working overnights, and I didn't have to get up early again. So uh, you know, that was uh, 10 years ago. I was a younger man with a lot more energy, but uh, I, I'm very excited for what happens next. And, um, you know, Guy's very excited. Um, he's he, he's a fantastic uh, person to work with. He really um, goes to bat for his people. He really cheerleads us. He was happier for me for this 5 o'clock show than I was for me. So congratulations to Guy Gordon, who... Um, you know, I try not to name drop, but but he's um, a fantastic guy. Second smartest person I've ever met behind my own dad, and uh, he's going to do a great morning show. Okay, uh, enough about me. I've indulged myself long enough. Uh, crazy weekend here in Michigan. Number one, uh, it seems like the DNR has gotten that uh, huge wildfire up in Grayling under control. It, uh, it it erupted on Friday, and they had to close down a five-mile perimeter to get this thing under control, which included uh, a large stretch of I-75 both ways. And, uh, y- you know, I, could you imagine if this would have happened a weekend earlier? Just the absolute nightmare it would have caused uh, if, if this fire happened on Memorial Day weekend. Not only for uh, the potential uh, amount of people in harm's way, but but just the travel headache. I mean, you're up there in a very it, it's a very um, secluded area, not a whole lot of thoroughfares around, and uh, just imagine you know just the the traffic jams. 
uh, with authorities routing people off northbound and southbound 75 with the Memorial Day um, volume of traffic. It could have been much, much worse if the timing uh, was was just a little bit different. But um, it, it seems like last I heard, the last update I saw, I did a quick Google, was 18 hours ago and 90 percent of that fire has been contained. Um, I'm sure I'm sure it's 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 close to almost out now because it's been 18 hours. Um, but uh, 4,000 acres burned, which is a lot. It's a lot, but nothing compared to the uh, 340,000 plus acres of of, of Canadian uh, forests that uh, are, are are on fire because of a wildfire right now, um, and uh, that's why that that's why lo- the moon looks like uh, uh, it's it's a blood moon or a strawberry moon, and that's why these sunsets have been so spectacular yet eerie um, because the smoke from from those wildfires, and it seems like it's all over Canada. I mean, the majority of the Canadian population live with, I, I believe, within 100 miles of the United States-Canadian uh, border. And the rest of it is wilderness. So there is a lot of um, air. There, there is a lot of land that those wildfires can spread to. And uh, obviously, we've been, without, we've been without rain for a very long time. Governor Whitmer is urging people to not have any fires. Because it's windy, it's been dry for weeks. We're not even supposed to get any rain until Sunday, maybe. And uh, the cause of this fire um, was somebody doing a campfire on private property. So I don't know if that person's going to face any legal charges. Uh, it seems like uh, the good news is that two two outbuildings, and I don't know what an outbuilding is. I don't know if it's like a ranger station or an outhouse, but. Those have been the only casualties of this fire, as far as I know. Uh, minimal property damage and and no injury or or loss of life. So, um, great job by everybody. And uh, I'm, I'm I myself am going to refrain from any fires in my backyard because, um, as Smokey the Bear says, only you can prevent forest fires. A little closer to home, the Grand Prix seemed to have uh, gone off without a hitch. There was uh, some concern on Saturday during the um, qualifying rounds that uh, the 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 track itself was too narrow, the the turns were too tight, um, the pavement a little too bumpy, um, and it seemed like uh, the race itself went on with. Uh, Minimal incident. I believe there was a crash or two, but uh, the speculation leading up to this, because most of us are not IndyCar fans and we don't really follow it that closely, um, the speculation was what kind of economic impact is this going to have on the downtown businesses for um, over a decade? I think uh, I think the Grand Prix came back to Belle Isle in 2007 so it's been about a decade and a half and and, and even longer since it was uh downtown i think uh 1991 was less grand prix that ran a street course so everybody was speculating what kind of economic impact will this have on the businesses down there well we're getting early numbers jc rindell from the detroit free press uh is 
um, saying that uh, when all is said and done, it looks like uh, the economic impact to the businesses downtown will be about $77 million. So that is a nice little chunk of change. That's a nice little stimulus. And Detroit's going to get a double dose of that because, as I talked about with uh, Marie Osborne and our Swifties on Friday, um, Taylor Swift's Eras Tours are is coming to Comerica Park. Uh, not Comerica Park, I'm sorry. It's too big for Comerica Park. No offense, Comerica Park. Uh, to Ford Field for two nights, uh, the Eras Tour. And... Um, I've been reading a lot about how you know this tour is so massive that it's it, it's it's creating its own economy, kind of like um, LeBron James when he when he left Cleveland the first time. He was such a huge star in Cleveland that their economy actually took a hit when he left and went to Miami that first time. Uh, Taylor Swift is is similar, and and the reason why, um, you know, she's such an economic stimulus to every. Uh, city he, she's going to is is for the most part when people come to to big concerts, um, they'll come to the city, they'll get dinner before the show, or they'll get a drink afterwards, and then they'll go home, which is a nice little uh, a, a nice little uh, boon for the bars and restaurants around the arenas. But this is such a a, a big tour; it's an event uh, that people are coming in, they're staying at hotels. So that means they're getting dinner before. That means they're getting uh, a drink afterwards. That means that they're spending money on a hotel. That means that the next morning they get up, they're probably going to go out for breakfast. So in, instead of, you know, like a twofold uh, increase in, in business, it, it's it's going to be a four or fivefold. And uh, I, I've been reading a, a lot about the economic impact of her tours. Um, Houston, for one example, their hotel occupancy was higher for the Eras Tour uh, than it was for the Final Four. And so uh, it's going to be a good couple of weekends for businesses downtown. Um, also, Swifties have not forgiven and forgotten Ticketmaster. Um, it, it's funny. I saw a story on on Fox Two uh, last night about Swifties um, suing Ticketmaster um, for you know uh, a, a bad uh, ticket buying experience, also gouging prices on on these concert tickets. Some of them are going for thousands and thousands of dollars per seat. And uh, I said to myself, this is kind of old news. I mean, Swifties, Swifties have been going after Ticketmaster since uh, since her tickets went on sale. So it's weird. I, I Googled um, Taylor Swift fans suing Ticketmaster, and it seems like uh, it, it seems like whatever city she's going to, this is kind of like the the story of the week. Five days ago, ABC Seven Chicago, as Chicago Taylor Swift era. Uh, as Chicago Taylor Swift Eras Tour prepares to hit Soldier Field, local fans sue Ticketmaster Live Nation. This is from three days ago, CBS 58. Swifty suing Ticketmaster over ticket problems, Milwaukee. And, and, and it seems like what they do is they, um, you know, they kind of have this story. It's in the future file, as, as they say in the business. And uh, it seems like when the tour comes to town, they find someone local who's part of this uh, lawsuit. There's 300 individuals uh, suing 
Ticketmaster over this. And of course, uh, um, Live Nation and, and, and Ticketmaster have been called in front of Congress to testify, and, and, and nothing, nothing's really happened. Um, so hopefully maybe these 300 uh, Taylor Swift fans will get some kind of satisfaction, and we got to break up that monopoly. And I've said it before, um, artists that are as big as Taylor Swift have the power to do something about this. I understand if you're a smaller touring band and you know, you're still doing a lot of things yourself, that maybe you do have to use a ticket broker to handle that. But, you know, um, people like Taylor Swift, people like Bruce Springsteen, people like Blink-182, these are huge acts who absolutely have the power to just sell their tickets directly to fans for a price that they seem fair and cut Ticketmaster out of it. And a lot of them have just kind of been wringing their hands saying, oh, man, that sucks. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. There absolutely is something that people can do about it. I saw a story the other day that said Taylor Swift is worth $780 million. By the end of this tour, she'll be she'll be a billionaire. And that makes sense because tickets are a million dollars a piece. So you don't need that many people buying your million dollar tickets uh, to become a billionaire. Of course, I'm using hyperbole there, but uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it, it just seemed like uh, kind of more salt in the wound. And uh, since I'm on my Taylor Swift rant, which uh, don't get it twisted, if I had an opportunity to go to a Taylor Swift concert, I definitely would. Um, there's been dudes all over TikTok who've said that they went because the girlfriends dragged them along. Must be nice. And uh, you know, even if, uh, number one, even if you don't know Taylor Swift albums, you're going to know most of the songs. And number two, she is, you know, legitimately one of the best performers of our lifetime. Just ask J.J. Uh, Watt, who did a TikTok uh, about how impressed he was with her being able to put on that high energy of a show for three and a half hours, uh, says the future um, Hall of Fame uh, NFL uh, defensive lineman playing the most violent sport, um, um, at least professionally, on the face of this earth. So uh, don't get it twisted. I would go see a Taylor Swift uh, concert, but I'm never going to because, uh, you know, I'd pay like, what, $50 for a ticket. And, uh, you know, not, not even Fall Out Boy uh, face value tickets were $50. They were, well, they, they, they are now. Because they're they're twenty five dollars, they're part of that twenty five dollar promotion. But um, you know, I paid the sixty face value for them. Anyway, I, I'm rambling. Uh, one more thing I want to say on this Taylor Swift thing, uh, please, people on the news, stop with the Taylor Swift puns, okay? Anytime there's a Taylor Swift story on the news, it's like a competition between all the news stations to see how many Taylor Swift. Uh, titles they can get into their copy, and they all use bad blood. Uh, that's the number one uh, most punned Taylor Swift uh, song title on the news. And then these news anchors get on there, and they they get in three, four, five Taylor Swift titles into their copy, and they're all smiling and patting themselves on the back like they're uh, like they're so clever and they're so groundbreaking, and it's just getting exhausting. And, of course, today is June 6th, which means that uh, 79 years ago today, the United States uh, Army stormed the beach of Normandy 
um, as they descended upon Europe to fight the Nazis in, in World War II. And uh, 79, it's, it's not a big anniversary. It's not a very round number. And to be honest, you know, most June 6th, to me, kind of come and go. And if no one brings up to me that it's, it's D-Day, um, then I'll often forget. And the reason why that is, by the time I was born, it, it was 40 years past. And um, it, it, it kind of makes me draw some parallels to, to 9-11. Uh, because I feel like 9-11 was, was sort of our, our D-Day here, um, you know, for my generation, born in 1984. And, um, you know, obviously what those teenagers had to do, most, most of them were teenagers, they were 18, 19, still kids, uh, what they had to do on that beach that day, um, just, just facing machine guns, uh, artillery fire from the uh, the... European Axis um, armies um, is something I would never have the guts to do. And they, despite the fact that they were having, um, you know, all, all the German, all the Italian, all the, all, you know, all the firepower from the, the Axis forces um, being aimed directly at them, they uh they 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 proceeded forward and obviously we know that uh eventually the united states the allied powers took down uh adolf hitler and and the nazi party and uh humanity uh has has been better for it but the reason i think i draw parallels between d day and 911 is because 9-11 is our never-forget day, right? Those of us who were alive and conscious um, when, when it happened, I was a sophomore in high school, so I remember it vividly. I was old enough to, to watch it on TV um, for two days. We watched uh, the news and, 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 and watched what was happening as it was unfolding, and, uh, you know, every... Every year on 9-11, we say never forget. And I used to think it was a trite phase, phrase because, of course, how are you going to forget? I mean, it, it, it's the most traumatic event that, that happened in our lifetime. There's no way we're ever going to forget. But that's not taking into account people who were born afterwards. Pardon me. And D-Day in Pearl Harbor... Like I said, those I forty years had passed since, uh, you know, those two events happened, and um, and and I was born. Obviously, Pearl Harbor a little longer because that's what drew Americans into the war. Um, but I mean, my whole life, D Day, Pearl Harbor Day, we're we're just kind of mentions in history class, and we moved on. And I, I think that's what's going to happen with 9-11 as, as we start going forward. Those of us who were alive and, and those of us who were old enough to, to pay attention, it's never going to leave us. We're going to be in our 70s and 80s, and every September 11th, it's going to be a gut punch. But for those who are being born now, 20 years after 9-11 happened, 
uh, kids who are going to be born in 20 years, uh, which will be 40-some-odd years after 9-11 happened. 9 11 is going to be a mention in history, and you just go about your day, kind of like how D-Day has become with my generation, like Pearl Harbor has become with my generation. And uh, I don't know how to feel about that. Your, your first instinct is, well, that's terrible. We can never forget the terrible terrible things that 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 happened during 9-11 and obviously we'll never forget right 79 years later of d-day we're still talking about it but 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 you know people my age and younger people my age and even up to 20 years older you know we don't have the same visceral reaction that we had or or that people who, who who were alive and 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 aware uh, back when D-Day and and Pearl Harbor happened, we we don't have that same kind of reaction because because it it it, it seemed like it happened so far back in history that it's a history fact uh, that we memorize for a history test and then move on. I I I honestly think it's 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 really more important to kind of keep that fire going for D-Day because D-Day was a victorious day. For the United States, it, it was it was it was tragic because we lost so many young men over there. But it was the start of our march to victory. When it comes to 9-11, I, I'm, I'm a little more comfortable with the fact with, with the thought of it just becoming a a data mention in history class um, and, and and just kind of moving on, because um, I, I feel like. What was the old term, uh, the terrorists win? If, if we're constantly mourning it and constantly bringing up the misery, um, then then the terrorists have won. I think the more healing that, that happens around 9-11, the better. And obviously, uh, for people who, who, who lost loved ones that day, people who have lost loved ones in the uh, ensuing military operations since, um, you know, the, it, it, you, those people need to be remembered uh, because they were heroes, uh, especially the firefighters and first responders. Um, the rest of them were just going to work, expecting to come home that night, and they didn't. But I think the less pain we attach to 9-11, the less the terrorists might have won, if that makes sense.